is PBF podcast number 69. This is Romeo One Oscar coming to you on PBF Public Radio. Radio Free America. All right. I don't know how many of you are aware, but the GDP estimates for real GDP growth should be coming out on Friday. Trump has said that he suspected the GDP growth would be around 35. The Atlanta Federal Reserve put out their latest estimate yesterday, and that puts it at 37%, which would be a record. Now, we obviously know that many things were shut down during the pandemic. The ongoing crisis we're reminded of but we look the 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 numbers yes it's a bit inflated yes these will be a record however if you're going to hit the guy and you're going to hit the economy for all these oh people are unemployed people are out of jobs all these things that we heard well guess what it goes the other way too and With the election coming up next week, or I guess it's really ongoing right now, right? I suspect that this will be good for him. Now, how will the media report this? Who knows? Will the media even report this? You know, much like the Hunter Biden thing that they're choosing not to report on. So, this is interesting, positive news. Not uh, unexpected, yet still it's uh, strong, strong data. So I want to touch on this again real quick. Uh, This was a piece that was in the post-millennial. I mentioned this yesterday with the ongoing insurgency riots that we saw spring up in uh, Philadelphia where there were 11 shootings. Among them was an 18-year-old man and a 15-year-old girl. Uh, But uh, we had our governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing, as I like to say. He told the press that he hopes things in the city of Philadelphia don't escalate into anything other than the peaceful protest that this kind of thing brings out. Yes, our 1984 Newspeak writing, looting and violence accompanied the protest in Philadelphia since Monday night in the wake of the police shooting of Walter Wallace. Again, uh, Walter Wallace, who was coming at them with a knife. He was closing in the distance. Remember, when you're within about 20 feet of someone, you have a knife. You're in a better position than the person with the gun. And then uh, good friend Conceptual James, Sexy James Lindsay, on uh, Twitter, Philadelphia Governor Tom Wolf hoped that the riots in Philadelphia wouldn't escalate into anything more than the kind of peaceful protest that he sympathizes with after they had already injured at least 30 police officers and more. And remember, too, they, they, the protesters, the insurgents, with a vehicle, ran into a line of cops, much like they did in Brooklyn. 
Everyone is really sad by the death of the victim, Wolf in Sheep's clothing told press. And I think I share in mourning with the family. Anytime that happens is a tragedy for whatever reason. We have uh, some information from Daily Caller. Exclusive, Senate committee successfully verifies all Bublinski materials reviewed to date. The Senate Homeland Security Governmental Affairs Committee has been successful in verifying all materials reviewed so far from Hunter Biden's ex-business partner, Tony Bublinski. So what does this mean? Well, it means essentially that trying to say that this is Russian disinformation or Russian interference is a lie. Again, they're, everything they accused Trump of, they've done. And Senate Committee Chairman, or Committee Chairman, Senator Ron Johnson will not call Boblinski, Boblinski, come on, let's say it, get it out, spit it out, Boblinski, to testify before the November 3rd elections. Now, in conjunction with what we saw here, an interesting incident occurred. This comes from the Epoch Times, uh, Ivan Penchokov. A collection of confidential documents related to the Biden family mysteriously vanished from an envelope sent to Fox News host Tucker Carlson, the host said on Wednesday night. Carlson's, te Carlson's team allegedly received the documents from a source on Monday. At the time, Carlson was on the West Coast filming an interview with Tony Bobulinski, the former business partner of Hunter Biden and James Biden. Carlson requested the documents to be sent to the West Coast. According to Carlson, the producer shipped the documents overnight to California using a large national package carrier. He didn't name the company, saying only that it's a brand name company. The Biden documents never arrived in Los Angeles Tuesday morning. We received word from our shipping company that our package had been open and the contents were missing, Carlson said. The documents had disappeared. The company took the incident seriously and immediately began a search, Carlson said. The company traced the package from when it was dropped off in New York to the moment when an employee at a sorting facility reported that the package was open and empty. The company's security team interviewed every employee who touched the envelope we sent. They searched the plane and the trucks that carried it. They went through the office in New York where our producers dropped the package off. They combed the entire cavernous, cavernous sorting facility. They used pictures of what we had sent so the searchers know what to look for. They far and beyond, but... They far and beyond, but they found nothing. I think there's something missing there. They went far and beyond, probably. Uh, it's so hard to uh, read these things sometimes. And uh, when there's... I've got to substitute real quick. Those documents have vanished, he added. As of tonight, the company has no idea and had no working theory even about what happened to this trove of materials. Documents that are directly relevant to the presidential campaign just six days from now. Executives at the shipping company were baffled and deeply bothered by the incident, Carlson said. 
Carlson's interview with Bobulinski aired on Tuesday night. In the interview, Bobulinski opined that Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised by China due to the business dealings of Hunter Biden and James Biden. James Biden has not publicly responded to Bobulinski's allegations, but during a presidential debate on October 22nd, said he had not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. Bobolinsky provided more than 1,700 pages of emails, more than 600 screenshots of text messages to inf Senate investigators, and handed over to the FBI the smartphones he used during his business dealings with the Bidens. The documents detailed a failed joint venture between a billionaire tied to the Chinese Communist Party and a company owned by Hunter Biden, James Biden, Bobolinsky, and two other partners. While the corporate documents don't mention Biden by name, emails sent between the partners suggested that either James Biden or Hunter Biden held a 10% stake for the former vice president. In the email, the stake is assigned to Big Guy, who Bobolinsky says is Joe Biden, who also Cooney, who was moved from his federal facility where he is serving time due to fraudulent activities engaged with Hunter Biden. He's serving time for that. It looks like Devin Archer will be going to prison here in January. And the crime syndicate has so many things yet to see. Will the FBI do anything? One thing I should make a note of, too. Tucker Carlson did step forward, and he did mention that, yes, they did make copies of these documents. The real key issue here is somebody cracked... The communications and is watching the communications between Tucker Carlson and his team while he was out in Los Angeles communicating with Bobolinsky. People were monitoring what he said. Not to be surprised necessarily, but what they did is they not only monitored what he did, a team went out and got those documents. My guess would be this was somebody on the Biden side. Again, it's crazy, right? We have people, we have someone running for office who is clearly involved deep with everything, Bobolinsky, everything has been confirmed by the Senate in these documents. This person is running for president. This person has lied repeatedly about his involvement with these activities. Let's hop over to Summit News. This comes from Steve Watson. Leftists were triggered Tuesday as InfoWars guru Alex Jones was able to appear on a big tech platform without being censored or banned. Jones was once again a guest on the Joe Rogan Experience. However, it was the first time Jones had appeared since Rogan moved to Spotify, prompting scores of butthurt leftists to immediately begin lobbying the streaming service to take down the episode, which they did for about an hour. Spotify removed the episode. The Independent complained, Rogan and Jones appeared in a photo that showed them failing to practice social distancing before noting that critics called out Spotify for hosting Jones via the episode when he's supposed to have been banned by the platform. 
Spotify did come out and say that we are going to allow this. This is a success. Remember, too, Spotify has employees who are trying to, basically, they're, they're saying, we're going to go on strike. We're not going to work for you. Again, they need to go in there and just fire these fuckers. It's so tiring that people with the minds of children, they haven't matured, they haven't learned how to deal with opposing points of view. These fuckers are trying to run these companies. Now, there's a person named Nathan Bernard with a blue check mark on Twitter who came out and said, Joe Rogan hosted far-right conspiracy theorist Alec Jones on his podcast today. They pushed anti-vax conspiracies and broadcasted banned InfoWars videos. Yes, bannedvideo.com if you want to watch banned InfoWars videos. Rogan continuing to platform these far-right sickos is beyond gross and dangerous. Joe Rogan says kids are getting polio from taking vaccines. After Alex Jones spreads conspiracy that Bill Gates is trafficking vaccines that get people 100% sick. Great work hosting this, Spotify. You know, here's the thing. If you don't like what somebody has to say, put them out there. Expose them. Talk about what they've said. Talk about what they've said wrong. Now, there's another guy, Max Tani on Twatter, who said, weirdly... Spotify didn't respond to my question about why Alex Jones is banned from the platform from hate speech, but it's cool for him to appear for three plus hours on someone else's show on the platform. It's it's weird that outside of Twitter, Max, no one gives a fuck about you. Huh. It's... Uh... It's weird, too, huh, that uh, journalists think that it's their job to eliminate people. But let's let's go down a little bit more. Uh, yesterday, we had a trifecta of tech oligarch censorship. Mark Zuckerberg Sanda Pachai and... Jack Dorsey, all appeared before the Senate Commerce Committee to discuss different aspects of it. The, or what do you call it, Zodiac Killer, Ted Cruz, actually um, did a pretty good job. And uh, what he said was, these three witnesses we have before this committee collectively pose, I believe, the greatest single threat to free speech in America and the greatest th threat we have to free and fair elections. Yes, because of things that they do. Because they deplatform people. Because they do not allow for the free exchange of police. Because they work as a cartel with one another. Because people from these platforms go and work in Joe Biden's campaign. Now, Twi uh, Ted Cruz did ask Dorsey a very specific question. Does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? Dorsey, no. Cruz, 
If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Huh. And then uh, Dorsey and Cruz, they had a little bit of, uh, later on. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you, Ted Cruz says. We realize we need to earn trust more. We realize we need more, account more accountability as needed. Now, I think one of the important things, too, that, to come away from here is... Dorsey talked to Florida Senator Rick, Senator Rick Scott, and he replied, we don't have a general policy about misleading information and misinformation. We rely upon people calling out that speech. What that means is they allow mob-driven censorship. This is what happens on all of these platforms. This is what leftists know, and I'm sure it's insiders in the company have shared this information with these leftist mobs that come after people. We've seen it happen to us. We know many other people this has happened to. This is weaponized mob censorship. We don't have a general policy around misleading information and misinformation. We rely upon people calling that out. Now, one of the things I took away, too, from what I watched of Jack Dorsey is he, he acts like he doesn't want to be even in charge of a coffee shop. He seemed really disinterested, really wanted to go on his vision quest to Wakanda or wherever the hell he was. He, he doesn't look like, I mean, seriously, like he wants to be in charge of even Twitter. And when he was answering questions, some of the things... Some of the things made it seem like to me that he just had notes that were handed down to him the day before that he memorized and to respond to this, that he does not even know these items. And I think we look back to what happened on the Joe Rogan podcast where Tim Poole had confronted him. Remember that prior to Tim Poole confronting him, he had a previous episode on Twitter on that previous episode on Twitter, I'm sorry, the previous episode with Joe Rogan about Twitter, and it was it was a joke. Uh, Joe Rogan didn't do his research. He doesn't really seem to know what's going on. He had to bring in his legal expert, and, you know, Tim Poole swept the floor with her. I think what he's done is he's delegated so many things, he doesn't know what's going on, and... I think that's also the reason why the platform's such a mess, because there's no real leadership. Obviously, you don't want to micromanage people. Good, delegate. At the same time, Twitter's a mess because he's a mess. So a couple of quick little pieces here. Uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but Hillary Clinton joins Electoral College four years after it cost her the president. Pretty sure I'll get to vote for Joe. So Hillary Clinton, who doesn't want the Electoral College. Now, uh, USA Today reminds us that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but lost the 2016 presidential election because of Electoral College. She is slated to participate in that system. The Electoral College is comprised of 538 delegates. People who cast their votes 
that formally elect the president. Surprisingly, many people don't know that. Surprisingly, you would have learned this in school if schools were doing their job. This year, Clinton is listed by the New York State of Elections as one of 29 Democrat leaders for the state. If Joe Biden wins the popular vote in New York, Clinton and 28 other electors will vote for him to be the next president if... I wonder when the last time was a Republican won New York uh, for president. It must have been at the... Maybe, maybe the 80s? Maybe Bush won? Maybe Reagan? Because I know in 84, Reagan um, got... You know, a, a tremendous amount of support. Um, and he only lost Minnesota because he was going against Mondale, and Mondale was from Minnesota. Anyway, back to Kankles. Pretty sure I'll get to vote for Joe and Kamala in New York. I can't wait, Clinton said in an interview aired on Sirius XM Progress. Now, Hillary won the pro popular vote. Yes, that's because of California. Again, she won California by like what three point some million, and she lost the rest of the country by one point two million. But yes, in the never-ending efforts of our overlords in the Democrat Party, let's change the Electoral College to the popular vote. However, Clinton, who's complained about nothing but the Electoral College, since her defeat, now will participate in the Electoral College. How's that for serious progress? Huh? All right, um, and then let's see. AOC appears in Vanity Fair outfits worth $14,000 to curse Trump out. Freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York wore thousands of dollars worth of outfits and jewelry for her spread in Vanity Fair's magazine. December issue. Of course she did, because that's what the prog the progressives do. Let them eat progressives. will do these things constantly. Why? Because they don't care about you. How many people know about this? There was an article first that came out. Oh, when was this? It was September of 2018. Yeah, September of 2018. Uh, an article appeared in the New York Times. This article was written by an anonymous source. I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. I work for the president, but like minded colleagues and I, have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. So, we are told, or were told, right, September 5th, 2018, this is what appeared in the New York Times, that this person was high up in the administration. You know, people who are like, oh, this is a senior official, a cabinet-level official, right? This is what the propaganda came out with. So let's let's see how the sausage was made here. This person was given an entire op-ed 
senior level, right? This individual was in no way a senior level official. This person's Miles Taylor, and you could even go onto the DHS website doing a webarchive.org look at the website from September 5th, 2018. And that was the day that that op-ed came out. Again, there's no list for someone named Miles Taylor. What we do know is that he was an assistant to the chief of staff of the director of DHS. So this whole propaganda piece was pushed out that these people inside the Trump administration, they're banding together. Is it Kellyanne? Is it maybe Tillerson? Rex, was it you? No. It's just, it's just some dude who had previously served for, you know, with Dick Cheney. He's gone on to uh, work with Google. And, you know, there's a photograph of him in the, in the Oval Office with Trump. They're both smiling. I wonder how many photos they do. But realistically, they purposely misled the country. They were making it seem like a senior Trump admin was plotting against him. He was an Obama donor. The media sells you things that are lies, and that's another example of it. It's, this is a, a Scaramucci-type person. You know, the, these people, the uh, uh, Cohen, who was the lawyer who's gone on to you know, really describe about all these things. Remember, as well, because um, he's now being propped up as somebody great because he's got a book to sell. He works for CNN. And people are upset, too, because Anderson Cooper had him on CNN, and he, Anderson Cooper, asked him if he was anonymous, and he lied and said no. That's what people are upset about. <laughs> uh, anyway, look, at the end of the day, the media's trash and the mainstream media. Not us at PBF. <laughs> We're not trash. But yeah. So, Miles Taylor's nobody. The media will build up these things. Oh, and think about this too, right? Remember the suckers and losers from the Atlantic, which I'm not sure anybody even said, but perhaps they did. Perhaps uh, the editor, the publisher of the Atlantic gave them that line. And they went ahead and they repeated it. Probably some low-level person who doesn't know Jack. All right. Thanks for listening to PBF Public Radio. This is Romeo One Oscar, and I am out. Mm -hmm.